Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday worship service online. And we thank God for this opportunity that we can still gather together as one church, although it's in our own homes, but we can still gather together online to worship and praise His holy name. Amen. And today is our Resurrection Sunday. So at this time, we'll like to ask everyone to gather, everyone in your households, gather your children, your parents, everyone. Let's come together and let's rise up to our feet and let's begin to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, let me just uh, share with you this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul speaks of the resurrection of Christ. And in one of his concluding statements, he said, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Indeed, death has been defeated. Amen. So let's worship him today. Hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. We worship you. Indeed, you have conquered sin over death, Father. Hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you, Father. All around Singapore, Father, in our households, with our families, with the brothers and sisters in Christ. We lift our hands in adoration of what you've done for us, Father. We lift our hands in adoration of who you are, Father. We celebrate this victory that we have in you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Let's sing this song. The moon and stars, they wept. The morning sun was dead. The Savior of the world was falling His body on the cross His blood poured out for us The weight of every curse upon Him i 
is glorified forever. He is lifted high forever. He is risen. He is alive. He is alive. Death could not hold on before you you silence the boast of sin and grave the heavens are roaring the praise of your glory for you are raised to life again you have no rival you have no equal now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory. Yours is the name above all names. All names. You were the word at the beginning. One with God, the Lord, most high. Your hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ. My King, what a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. You look upon us with compassion So Jesus, you brought heaven down My sin was great, your love was greater What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is what a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus, death could not hold you, and death could not hold you, the veil talk before you, you silence the boast of sin and grave, the heavens are roaring, the praise of your glory, for you are raised to life again. Rival, you have no equal now 
now and forever, God, you reign. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory, yours is the name above all names. What a powerful name it is, what a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing can stand against. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus For the last time death could not hold you And death could not hold you The veil torn before you You silenced the boast of sin and grave The heavens are roaring The praise of your glory Before you are raised life again You have no rival You have no equal Now and forever God you reign Yours is the kingdom Yours is the glory Yours is the name of all What a powerful name it is What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus Christ my King What a powerful name it is Nothing can stand against What a powerful name it is The name of Jesus what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. We worship you, we lift you high in this place. Glory, glory be to you. worship you God in this place in our households declaring that you are one true king that you are above everything father especially in this situation father you are above every sickness every situation every trial no matter what we are going through father and in this time we look upon the cross we see our savior Hope, Father, and we pray, Lord God, that at this time, Lord, when all around the world is in chaos, Father, we will look upon you, Father, look past all this chaos and look upon you and cling unto the hope that we have in you, Father, 
may this be a time, Lord God, that we would just speak the truth to the people around us, Father. For people that have no more hope, Father, we will preach a message of hope. For people who are frail and feeling weak, we will pray for their strength to be upon them, to be with them, Father. For people who are going to trials, Lord God, may your comfort be upon them, Lord God. May your assurance be with them, Lord God, and you will see them Lord God, in all this, Lord God, we are assured and we are reminded once again, Lord God, that you alone are in control, Father. And we give you all the glory and all the praises. Lord God, may our hearts be fertile sorrow to receive the word you have for us today. We give you glory and give you honor. In Jesus' name. Dear brothers and sisters, the communion is not a ritual nor just a practice, but a joyous yet solemn occasion where we all come to the Lord's table to feast on His delight, remind ourselves of the salvation He gave us, the power of the gospel as it was manifested in our lives through His death and His resurrection. Today, as we celebrate this day, when the Lord has risen and conquered the enemy, which is our death, let us come to him with gladness in our spirits, humility in our hearts. May this communion be a memorial of God's redeeming love and his eternal mercies. God is inviting us to come to him, seek him, and be forgiven. This is our opportunity to repent and seek God's loving embrace to us sinners. As we proceed, may I remind everyone with the admonition found in 1 Corinthians 11, 27, and 28. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. So at this place, at this juncture, may I invite everyone to come to the Lord in a moment of prayer and silence. Confess your sins to God. Come to Him so that you may be forgiven and be cleansed and be refreshed. Come to the living water that nourishes your soul and to the one who promised that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us pray.
Let us take the bread. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us all partake of the bread. As you hold on to your cup in solemnity that has come to the Lord's table. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us all partake the cup. Let us pray. Our Father, our great sovereign King, we are sojourners of this world. We have tasted so much of this earth and many times indulge in the worldly pleasures it offers. We have forgotten that you are our greatest pleasure and our greatest joy. We have drunk the worries and cares of the world and became drunk and drowned by anxieties and concerns that we failed to realize how thirsty we are for your assurance, how thirsty we are for your righteousness and your love. Lord, as we have taken this communion together, remind us always that we are not of this world. And we are not from this world. Remind us of the great vision of that great city and that we are all citizens of the eternal paradise. Amidst the confusion, fear, and uncertainty, your protection, your assurance, and love will bring us to new hope that can only be found in you. You are our eternal light, our blessed hope, our unspeakable joy. Thank you for bringing us together in spirit, although we are absent from one another physically. Unite your people in prayer and in love. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Let us cheerfully give to the Lord, and may I invite everyone to read with me these verses. Psalm 77, verse 13 to 14. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might amongst the peoples. As I give in today's offering, I praise God for His holiness and greatness. May His powerful works be displayed in my life and His might be manifested to His people. I worship my God and my Savior. Amen. Let us pray. Father, 
We thank you for giving us this opportunity to give and to thank you through our tithes and offering. Bless us all, Lord. May these offerings bring glory to your name and be used to proclaim your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Magandang tanghali po sa inyo lahat. Good afternoon. Welcome to our online worship service. Blessed Easter to everyone. Happy Resurrection Sunday. I hope you are enjoying your time with your housemates or with your family. So if you are with your family, enjoy that time being together. Um, last week, we want to thank God for the wonderful sermon Dr. Tok gave us. It's about hope. And if there are uh, things, and if there's one thing I would say that I learned from it, that is this statement. We are not yet home. That statement alone gives us an impetus to yearn and look forward to the future. And that gives us so much hope because we are the people of hope. Our message for today, I've entitled... A cough, sneeze, and an empty tomb. Today, I pray that we would be able to see the effect of the resurrection of Jesus and find its application to our context today. So with this, I'd like to invite you to read with me the text, uh, which will be the basis of our sermon, of our message for today. And I'll be reading from the 27th chapter of the book of Matthew. That will be Matthew 27, verses 51 to 54. And I will be reading from the ESV version. Matthew 27, verses 51 to 54. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. May the Lord be worshipped and praised by the reading of His Word. Let us pray. Father, today we thank You for giving us this opportunity to study Your Word. Open our hearts, illumine our souls today, that we may see the beauty of Your Gospel. Open our hearts, Lord, so that we could learn from you and from your own. All this we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This text that we have read, which we found in the book of Matthew, is often glossed over or perhaps a forgotten verse. And this is about the resurrection of others. 
Now, this account was mentioned only by Matthew, and it was never mentioned by other gospel writer. But taking it from uh, on its face value, it appears that there were also believers who were resurrected after the resurrection of Jesus. Now, I would say that these are believers, and I say that these are the believers of Jesus Christ because of the words that they use. Number one, they use the word saints. Now, the New Testament writers often use the word saints to describe or to tell us, tell the readers that they are Christians. So this is a word that is often used for believers, saints. Another word or another phrase that would signify that these are the believers of Jesus, they were said to have been fallen asleep. Now, fallen asleep asleep is a metaphor for uh, dying. Or uh, if you have died and you're a Christian, they would use the word fallen asleep. Now, as we see these words, as we have noticed that these words are commonly associated with believers, many people believe that these uh, people have resurrected or they have resurrected after Jesus' resurrection. Now, for us to take a look at this, for us to appreciate these uh, verses, we would notice that it appears that uh, the resurrection is not only exclusive to Jesus. Resurrection is also available for the believers. But often, we associate resurrection, and as we know, resurrection will only happen when Jesus returns in the second coming of Jesus Christ. But there's somehow in the history, as uh, accounted for us by the Gospel of St. Matthew, that there's, uh, there are people who were resurrected after Jesus' resurrection. And Matthew 27 recorded this event. Matthew recorded this event for us. Now, there are two schools of thought, and I would just like to discuss them briefly with you. These two schools of thought and how to interpret these verses. Because it appears to us that resurrection happens not only will, will happen not only in the future when Jesus comes, it only it also happened immediately after Jesus' resurrection. So how do we interpret this? How do we make sense of this? Now there are two schools of thought as I've mentioned earlier. The first school of thought is that this narrative we find from verses 52 and 53 of the 27th chapter of the book of Matthew is actually an allegorical narrative. So it means that this is a literary device to say or to emphasize the indescribable value of the resurrection to the life of a Christian. So this is used as a device or a literary device to emphasize the importance of resurrection. Now, People say, some scholars say, that this is a literary device because of the way it was presented. Now, we see that the style on how the story was 
uh, accounted for was there's a story, an historical narrative um, on top, and then there's a literary device in the middle, and underneath will be another historical account. So the resurrection of other, the mini resurrection of these people is sandwiched between these two historical accounts. So they say this is just an allegorical narrative. Now, the other school of thought is that this could be a factual account. Now, if it's a factual account, it gives us a prelude, a foretaste or a foreshadow of what will happen to the rest of the saints upon Christ's return. So the resurrection of these people is a foreshadow to it. It's a prelude to it. So it means that resurrection is not only true to Jesus, it is also true to those people who will believe him. And Matthew 27, verse 52 and 53 uh, proclaims that. So there are two schools of thought. It could be understood as an allegorical narrative, or it could be seen as a factual account. So before we uh, go into a very big debate on the interpretation and how these verses should be seen and should be interpreted, what's clear and what's agreed between these two schools of thought is this. Christ promised resurrection. If you would ask me, I would like to believe that this is a factual account because of the reason that there is a factual account being narrated on verse 51 because there's uh, the curtain of the temple was torn from up down. That's a factual account. And verse 54 is another factual account where the centurion witnessed the tremors brought about by an earthquake. So these two factual accounts are very much recorded and there's no reason for the writer of, of um, this verse to deviate from that uh, scenario or from that narrative. So, and that's my personal opinion on this matter. But whether or whatever school of thought you would agree on, whether you believe that this is an allegorical narrative or a factual account, it is clear that this is something that gives us a prelude, a foretaste, a tangible proof, and a basis for us to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. These accounts are proof that whatever happened to Jesus will also happen to us. So, with that, we say that indeed, resurrection is real. So that is my premise for today. If resurrection is real and that resurrection is real, R-E-A-L, it should lead us to think the effects of that real resurrection. If something is real, there must be a natural effect of it. There must be real effects of a, a real uh, situation or a real action. So that is our premise for today. So I would like to ask this question. What are the effects of this real resurrection? If resurrection is true, if this is a factual account, then what are the effects of that? 
What benefits do we get from the resurrection of Jesus? And I would like to propose and suggest to you four effects, among many other effects of the resurrection. And the first effect of the resurrection of Jesus, the resurrection of our Lord brings first reversal. The resurrection reverses. And what does this resurrection reverse? In Matthew 27, if we will read that again, in 52 it says there, the tombs were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. So in this text, we read that there's the reversing, the reversing the effect of death. There's a reversal of that effect. And so what we see here is that a powerful reversal of an insurmountable obstacle of every human being. And that insurmountable obstacle is none other than death. And imagine in this verse, we see that death is being reversed. Now, when we take a look in another verse, in John 11, verses 25 and 26, he says here, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And that is reversal. Although you will die, you will live. So we see there a reversal. So that is the first effect of resurrection, reversal. And this death represents so many things. In reversing the effects of death, we reverse defeat and turn them into triumph. We reverse the effects of sickness because probably some people died because of sickness, not just accidents. Reverse the effect of sickness to healing. Reverse the effect of despair and turning them to victory. And reverse the effect of doubt and turning them into assurance. So the first effect of the resurrection to the life of a Christian is reversal. And I would like to quote John Stott. He said this in his book, Basic Christianity. So if you have to read one book on Christianity, please do include John Stott's Basic Christianity. I would like to quote him when he said that by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has reversed man's sentence and vindicated his son. That was reversed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The effect of death. He reversed man's sentence. You should have been punished. But because of that resurrection, it was reversed. You were given pardon. You were given life. So that's the first effect. The second effect of resurrection is E, empowerment. Now, when we say empowerment, every encounter with the risen Christ brought about empowerment. Now, when we take a look at Paul's experience in the road to Damascus, in Galatians 1.16, he said, He revealed his son to me or in me. He saw 
the power of the divine encounter, the encounter with the risen one, and that changed his life. It gives us so much empowerment. And so, again, I would quote John Stott. He said here, he said that the resurrection of Jesus transformed Peter, Peter's fear into courage, and James' doubt into faith, or even Paul's unbelief to belief. This encounter with the resurrected Christ, with the recent Christ, changed their lives. It gives them the empowerment. Earlier, we see Peter denying Jesus. Later, few chapters later, from that denial, we see Peter preaching, powerfully preaching the Word of God. Why? Because they have experienced an encounter with the risen Christ. And that is empowerment. In Philippians 3.10, it says, Apostle Paul said that, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. He underscores the power of resurrection. Also, in Ephesians 1.19 and 20, he also says that, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. So there's power, there is an empowerment when we encounter the risen Christ. That's the effect of the resurrection. We're empowered. In fact, in Isaiah 25.8, this is one effect of the resurrection. This is, the, in fact, the penultimate, one of the penultimate experiences that this resurrection gives us. It says there, he will swallow up death in victory. To swallow up death. And I've mentioned earlier, death is an insurmountable obstacle of every human being. That's difficult to defeat death because all of us will die. There's an adage that says, you cannot escape two things in life, taxes and death. But with the resurrection of Jesus, it appears to me now that there's only one thing that you cannot escape, taxes, because now you can escape death with the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus Christ. So first, it's reversal. Second, empowerment. And the third effect of this resurrection is access. Now, when we read Matthew 27, 51, the very first verse, we read from that verse that the curtain of the temple was torn into two from top to bottom, and they were shook, and the rocks were split. What does it tell us? Hebrews 10, 19, 20 to 22 give a commentary on what had happened here. And let me just read to you uh, Hebrews 10, 19, 20 to 22. It says here, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, 
Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What happened in the splitting of the curtain, dividing the holy and the holy of holies, God now gives us an access to Him. God gives us an access to His throne of grace. And Jesus provided that. He gave us access through the resurrection. Now, that is our main problem. The problem of human being, other than death, is our alienation, our separation from a holy God. And because of Jesus Christ, because of that resurrection, He removed the veil. You now have an access to God, an access to His throne of grace because of His resurrection. And I say here, resurrection is an ultimate experience of a Christian because in one way or another, all of us would experience and share the suffering of Christ. But in reality, not many of us would be able to suffer or would experience suffering because not, not all of us would have the same degree or same amount of suffering, suffering um, like what the apostles or especially what Christ had experienced. But if there is one thing that I am so sure that we would be able to share with Jesus Christ, that is the experience of resurrection. All of us will experience this resurrection. Now, as we go back to the resurrection of these people, we say that these people become a living testimony that whatever happened whatever happened to Jesus or the experience that Jesus had or the resurrection that Jesus had will also be the same resurrection that they will have. This was manifested in the resurrection of these people. It reversed the effects of death, it empowered them, and it gave them access. Now, the, th- the last one that Uh, the last effect of resurrection of Jesus Christ would be life. And this is, I think, the final and most important effect of resurrection. The Bible says, if Christ is not raised from the dead, our faith is futile. But the reality is, Christ rose again. And so, therefore, our faith is not futile. We could put our faith, we could trust God because not only He reversed the effects of sin and death, not only He empowered us, not only He gave us an, gave us an access to the Father, He ultimately gave us life because of His death and because of His resurrection. In Romans 8:11, it says there, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Imagine that. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are now given a new life, a new life to your mortal bodies. It is through resurrection that we could hope for a new life. 
And I think that's a personal encounter with God. This is the ultimate effect. Life. To be alive again. To have a glorified body. And why do we need that? This glorified body that Christ has promised us on the day of resurrection will be fitting in union with Him. This body will be fitting for worship because it will no longer be subjected to sickness or it will no longer be subjected to decaying. This body is a glorified body fitting to live in paradise, fitting to live in harmony with God. In other words, a body fit for eternity. Imagine that, that you would have a body fit for eternity because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He reversed the sentence. He empowered us. He gave us an access. And finally, He gave us life. Now, what is the application of this to us Christians? If we know the effect of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in our lives, if we know that the resurrection of Jesus is real, and that resurrection reversed the sentence, empowered us to approach God and to have an access to Him, and to have an access to the throne of grace, and ultimately giving us life, what does it mean to us now? And let me narrow that application. What is the application of knowing the effects of resurrection in our present context? in our current situation in the midst of COVID-19. If we realize the power of resurrection, what is the relationship of this? Or what is the relationship between coronavirus and an empty tomb? How does the empty tomb reframe our understanding with our current experience with COVID-19? Let me say this as we narrow its application. If coronavirus represents death, decay, sickness, the empty tomb represents the ultimate reversal of God, the access that He gives to His beloved people, the empowerment that He bestows to them to endure that pain and to be victorious over it and the promise of life that He gives to those who believe. Coronavirus might kill your body, and that's why we're saying that you should stay at home. But while it might possibly kill your body, it will never kill your soul. While it might infect your mortal body, it will never, never get and infect a redeemed and clean soul that is with us and given to us by the sacrifice and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Coronavirus might represent our greatest fears while the antitude represents triumph. So in other words, if this virus represents everything that will defeat us, the empty, empty tomb represents everything that we hope for. And let me go back to my 
acrostics a while ago. R-E-A-L, the effect of the resurrection. It would be the same as we go and as we look into the application of these effects into our lives. The first is reversal. You know how this virus reversed the way we think. And we say now it's the new normal. Now, I'm not glorifying COVID-19. I'm not saying this is good. But whether we like it or not, it has reversed some things for us. It made us see what's more important. It made us see who, what are the essentials. Let me just give you an example. I saw in one FB post that now we call grocery workers, those, who, those people who work uh, in the groceries or those delivery personnel, we call them now essential workers. And that's who they really are. They are essential. Had it not been to their services, our economies would not probably even float. Had it not been to their service, perhaps it would have been more difficult for us to survive this COVID-19. They become essential to us. And I think that's the right term. This COVID-19 reversed the way we think. I'm not glorifying COVID-19, that's what I've mentioned, but there's a silver lining to it. Another is empowerment. I hope this, that this COVID-19 leads, leads us to exercise our faith. Instead of being coward, we should exercise and practice our faith. It should empower us. Our faith in the resurrected Christ should empower us in the midst of COVID-19. It should empower us to show our salvation and to show good works to others. Now, good works, my dear brothers and sisters, are not requisites. And this is not a requisite. Your good work is not a requisite to your salvation. But they are essential and they are evidence of your salvation. What's the use of being a Christian if we will not be able to show to the world who we are and how the gospel transformed us and how the gospel transformed our minds and transformed the way we think. And so this COVID-19 should empower us. Another uh, thing that we need to look is this access. Now, this coronavirus was, uh, was allowed by God and it's here with us. So I think there's some positivity on it. With this COVID-19, I hope that this would be used by God so that we could be, could do it, a channel. We could be a way for people to have an access to God, that we would be able to show what living gospel is all about. And so we should be ready to share the gospel with others, to explain our faith and to show who we are not only to those people who uh, share the same faith with us, but also to those people who don't share the same faith with us or even to those people who don't have any faith at all. Because Christianity is not just about us. It's not just about being brothers and sisters. It also means that we should be able to be uh, a living testimony of the power of the of power of the gospel and the power of resurrection in our lives. And lastly, life. 
Now remember that COVID-19 won't take your life. Life is changed, not taken away, according to one book, The Hope for the Flowers. And indeed so. Because the issue here is not whether you are an immortal being or not. Because I've explained that we are all immortal beings. That is not the issue. The issue is, where will you spend your eternity? We will all be in eternity. But the question is, where will you spend your eternity? Will you spend your eternity existing for punishment and the wrath of God? Or will you have an eternal life in union with Him in paradise? So I hope with this life that has been given to us through the power of the resurrection, and for those who believe in the power of the resurrection, we should not lose sight that this body shall rise again. Let us not lose sight of that vision. To end, I would like to share this with you. And this would be my final statement today. May the resurrection of Jesus brings you to a greater reality of God and a greater vision of an eternal God. And that no sneeze, no cough, no coronavirus, no COVID-19 could ever defeat the eternal power manifested through an empty tomb. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today that we have examined, studied your word. With this short message, Lord, may we realize the value and the effects of salvation and the effects of resurrection in our lives. Lord, we thank you that it reversed our death sentence. And Lord, it empowered us to obey you, to come to you. And with that empowerment, Lord, comes an access that our greatest problem of alienation and separation from you is now solved because of the resurrection. And because of that reversal, because of that empowerment, because of that access, we are now given life, an eternal life, Father. And so we thank you for all of this. Lord, may this COVID-19 bring us a reversed thought, a new way of thinking, an access or an opportunity for us to display and show our good works, Lord, may this also empower us to live out the gospel in us. And Lord, may we always remember that our life is with you for eternity. Indeed, Lord, we're not yet. And so, Father, strengthen your people. Be with them in the midst of this. Lord, protect them and always give them peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray, the resurrected Lord. Amen. Amen. Let me now 
uh, give you the benediction from God. And with that, let me read from Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with every, everything that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, may the peace of God be with you and join us again next Sunday and this coming Wednesday for our prayer meeting. So with this, God bless you and always protect yourself by staying at home and we'll see you again next week. Maraming maraming pong salamat at happy Easter, happy and blessed Resurrection Sunday to all of you. God bless you.